We're kicking off our Smart Speaker series on the last day of November with Faye Johnstone, co-owner and executive director of consulting firm Wisdom to Action, Tim Powers, chairman of Summa Strategies, managing director of Abacus Data, and Jamie Ellerton, founding partner at Canaptus, longtime political strategist. Happy end of November to you all. Welcome, welcome. I decided it's the last day of November, so thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, December is around the corner. Uh, let's kick off with uh, big news coming from the federal government, and we got some reaction from some of our guests on the show today about the 988 Suicide Crisis Helpline that's been launched. Uh, it needs some support, so everyone knows that it exists as well, so we can't talk about it enough. The 988 Crisis Helpline is meant to help those in suicide crisis uh, to help address and open up the availability for those who are looking for help in the lowest moments of their lives. Uh, how would you describe this, Tim? Listen, uh, some disclosure here. I used to be on the board of CAMH, uh, and CAMH, the Center for Addictions and Mental Health, they're driving this. I think it's fantastic. Uh, more mental health tools we have, particularly for people trying to struggle through whether or not they feel their life is, is worth living or not. Uh, there aren't enough resources. I think this is great. Uh, I think it's a good day, uh, but it also means we shouldn't lose sight of the fact that we need to continue to invest in mental health and mental wellness. And, and part of that investment is, as you are doing now, Rashmi, and thank you for doing it, raising awareness that there are tools and supports out there because we need to create more of them. So I think it's a great day. Now, on days like this, I wonder if people are thinking about how it could have helped uh, in their lives, someone that they know, someone that they love. It, it, it might be sensitive uh, for some as well, but badly needed, wouldn't you say, Jamie? Yeah, absolutely. I think this is kind of taking the idea behind anyone who grew up in Ontario here in the 90s would probably be familiar with Kids Help Phone. You used to see the ads on Watch Music yeah. or YTV. Um, this is taking the idea behind Kids Help Phone and taking a national and for everyone and having a quick three-digit number, 988, that anyone can call or text at any time of day to get the help they need. So I think this is a fantastic initiative, and uh, I'm glad to hear us talking about it today, Richmond. Faye? I'm right there with you. Um, I, you know, I've had the pleasure of working with Kids Help Phone uh, and with CAMH, uh, and you know, I have a background in the mental health sector, and this is something that we've long needed. Uh, I also really hope it continues a pattern of helping ensure the right folks are there to support folks who are in a mental yep. health crisis uh, or who are struggling with suicide. Uh, you know, I, I live in a wonderful gay trans community, and we know that rates in our communities are, are higher uh, than they are for, for many others. And so it, it's really important that we have the supports in place. But I would also stress we need follow through. Uh, having a phone call you yep. can, yeah, a phone number you can call is a great step, um, but we need to make sure that we have the wraparound supports available in every community uh, so that folks who are in crisis get the kind of help they need in a timely manner. And so many folks are stuck on years-long wait lists to get that care now. And so this is a huge victory, but it has to be a beginning of a shift in how we think about mental health and how we fund it, too. Absolutely. Uh, we have been hearing about this new mortgage charter. The prime minister was talking about it today. It was included in the fall economic statement. Uh, going over it, it, it has, um, it, it's not a law. It would just be, you know, guidelines for banks on how they handle vulnerable borrowers. Uh, but the, the six guidelines there are not new. They're familiar. It would just be putting them all in one place for anyone who's struggling with their mortgage right now to feel like the government's doing something, I guess, with this mortgage charter. How would you explain it, Jamie? 
that's a pretty good, probably a summary, Rush. I, mean, I think probably the biggest thing is making uh, the public awareness campaign uh, so that people know they have options. There are a lot of people right now who are underwater in their mortgages. Uh, and there are a lot of people who maybe passed the stress test with interest rates between 1% and 2%, who, if they had to do a stress test again, wouldn't qualify for a mortgage and would ultimately lose their home. So it's, it's putting in the window that the government's taking action to support people through these challenging economic times. And uh, it, it sounds like the banks are cooperating with how they're going to do this. Because, of course, the banks also don't want to see uh, a run on the housing market and the collapse because they'll ultimately end up losing more money in the process. So this is probably a win-win. And uh, as you said, not a law, more of a recommendation. But the banks seem to be going along with it. And uh, think of it as a big PR campaign for people who are struggling right now with their home mortgages and maybe up for renewal in the near future to know that they have options. Yeah, right. Uh, the prime minister was asked about a potential recession, and he, he went after the opposition on that. Uh, what, your thoughts, Tim? Well, I mean, look, I, I don't think. Uh, I guess I know he's frustrated politically. We're going to talk about one of the polls in a moment. I and, and uh, he's trying to deflect um, the public to the opposition and the the, the the lack of policy as he sees it that they have. You know, fair enough. But I mean, I think Canadians right now are looking for more on on the mortgage charter. My initial take was it is a bit gimmicky. I think, you know, we won't know how effective it has been or not been until those three million people, and there are three million of them or families, uh, go through the renewal process of their mortgage over the next 18, uh, 18 months. I mean, the, just comparing it to groceries and what the government was going to do there, I mean, they, they have talked a good game about getting the grocery uh, uh, stores to the table, the grocery op- big grocery operators to the table. But I think if you go to a grocery store, you're hard-pressed to find any significant change at the moment. So let's hope it's more than PR, more than a gimmick, and makes a difference for people. Yeah, many people are catching on. What are you doing? Oh, well, we're having meetings. <laughs> we still don't yeah, know when exactly. the Eglinton Crossdown LRT is going to be built. Um, Faye, do you, do, do you, the charter that the Prime Minister is talking about here uh, in the fall economic statement, does it seem political to you or do you see a, a conscious effort here? You know, I'm, I'm right with, it, it felt gimmicky. Like I was reading up on it today and I was like, I like, and with the way that the, uh, the Christopher Lynn stressed it, it as like, this is a big part of the uh, economic statement. I, I don't know what's big about it. Um, you know, most of my friends still can't. Are, 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 the idea of owning a home uh, is is a dream so far out of reach. And I, you know, I'm one of those folks who lucked in uh, and got a, you know, a low mortgage rate a couple years ago. But I'm dreading when I'll have to renew. Uh, but I still think I'm in a privileged position compared to the many folks I know who are, you know, I'm paying down a retirement plan in, in, in practice and my friends are giving their money to landlords and their rent is going up year after year and they're, they got no real options. So, you know, it's, it's nice, I guess. It's good to know that they can take some rules and put them into the same document together. Uh, but I'd love some work to help address the crisis and rent prices and, the fact that you know owning a home is a dr- is a dream for many that they don't have the money to realize. Do Do you all think that every Canadian should be able to own a home if they want to? Yeah, I, I guess the silence kind of tells you. Look, I, I think people want different options. I mean, you had Sean Fraser, the housing minister, advancing that argument the other day, which I also thought was weak. Well, we have a significant number of people who rent. You, you should have the opportunity to choose the option for you because for owning a home isn't for everybody for a whole bunch of reasons, and it's not just because of the monetary barrier that could exist there. 
Yeah, sure. Okay. But should we have the ability to, should we, should we have that access? Should that be an option for all of us? What do you think, Jamie? Yeah, I think this ultimately comes down to the lack of supply and government policy, uh, particularly at the municipal and provincial level across the country that has made it too hard to build and too costly. And uh, when we look at a half million people now coming into the country through immigration, when we already don't have enough homes already, it's just going to make the problem worse. So for me, this comes back to a, a supply issue and governments need to get out of the way and make it easier to build. Yeah. I just wonder, is is, is the next campaign going to be, I'm going to make it a, a possible for you to own a home. I do think we should have that dream. I'm the product of immigrants, though, so I'm a fresh Canadian. Yep. I might be new to the story, but I still think that everyone should have the ability or, or the access or be able to look at a real estate listing, not in every city, but be able to say, oh, yeah, I could buy that house if I wanted to. Yeah, I think and you're you know, already kind of seeing the framing of that debate. Justin Trudeau is going to announce, uh, talk about all the billions they're spending to try and build. And that's yeah. one choice. And Pierre Polyev is going to have something about fire gatekeepers and get government out of the way. And that's another choice. And Canadians will get to decide. Yeah. Sorry, uh, Tim, Faye, I, I'm trying to come up with a new format where I don't have to keep pointing to everyone, but maybe we have to keep going that way. <laughs> take a break for traffic and then we will reconvene our conversation and tim is pointing to a competitor's poll but it shows the liberals and the ndp are tied in support among potential voters in this country the conservatives pulling 19 points ahead so we'll put that to our smart speakers on the rush coming up right here with faye johnstone tim powers and jamie ellerton and we are continuing our smart speaker series on this Thursday afternoon. Joining us today, we have Jamie Ellerton, Tim Powers, and Faye Johnstone. And as we heard from the Prime Minister uh, highlighting the new mortgage charter, which essentially just puts these six guidelines that have already really been in place for banks on how they handle vulnerable borrowers uh, in one handy place, the Prime Minister is also uh, slagging in the polls here. This is from Nanos. Uh, the Liberals and the New Democrats tied in ballot support. The Conservatives, 19 points ahead. How do you make sense of that, Jamie? I think it shows that the prime minister is underwater right now and is struggling to get traction with Canadians that he's kind of lost their trust. Uh, I know talking with a friend, uh, Hamish Marshall, who's also in the polling industry, uh, one of the things that's actually been quite common with Trudeau is when people turn on him, they tend not to go back. And I think that's why you're seeing these numbers stick down here. And for Pierre Polyev and the Conservatives, I think one of the things Pierre maybe doesn't get enough credit for since he's become leader is instilling a sense of discipline, uh, not only in the leaders' communications, but also across the caucus of what they're focused on. They're focused on economic issues uh, in the future of the country and kind of getting government doing what it needs to be doing and what Canadians expect it to do and not getting distracted uh, by other more divisive issues. And as a result, when uh, pollsters are asking Canadians if they're happy with the government, they're saying no. And uh, on a uh, 41% of them are telling Canada pollsters that they'd rather vote Conservative next time. So it's uh, good news for the Conservatives, but uh, I know they're not taking anything for granted. Uh, wait, 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 wait. Can, can I just jump on the like not fully disagree, like the Conservatives did a great job on an economic message and they have indeed, they've got a discipline there and they are outmaneuvering Trudeau um, on a range of issues. And I'm just wondering if and when uh, the Liberals will wake up to this moment. Um, but I also, I don't want to under, like, 
I think Pierre Polyev is still playing around with those very divisive issues. You know, it is, I think, four times now that he's echoed um, what I would describe, at least, as anti-gay and anti-trans rhetoric uh, that is trying to pit Canadians against the vulnerable segment of the population that just want the freedom to be themselves. And we've seen him lean in and the Conservative Party lean in on, you know, bodily autonomy when it comes to some people's health care, but not others. And so I, I think I hope that they don't lean in hard on those social issues because I don't think Canadians need it. And I also hope it would hurt them if they did. Uh, but I don't think he's avoiding them nonetheless. I think he's throwing those a bone to them when he gets the chance to keep them happy. So I'm happy he's not leaning in too heavy. I, why throw the bone, right? That is that is truly um, one of my questions and that you don't have to. And I remember when the Conservative Party was looking for um, memberships as they looked for a leader. And there are now new Conservative members who aren't happy with the bones that are being thrown, Tim. Yeah, well, first, I, my friend Jamie is a fine man. I would say the one person who didn't get the memo on discipline was Andrew Shear, but you know, Andrew Shear has always been very unique, as Jamie knows. Uh, look, <laughs> the conservatives, you're in opposition until you're in government. And, you know, Pierre Polyev, yes, he, he has made some mistakes. He has pushed some buttons, as Faye's talked about, that maybe he shouldn't be. I personally don't think he should be um, pushing. He'll either learn to not do that or he will pay some sort of a price for it. But what's really interesting about Nick's numbers is when you go below the surface, because they show the same things that ours do, and that's a trend. And It's not just Abacus and Nanos. It's others showing it that you know, Trudeau is falling or unable to get himself back off the mat among so many different cohorts, and that's a real problem behind uh, with female voters, long a bastion of support for him and the Liberal Party, behind with voters 30 to 44 and 18 to 30. Big problems. Those have been cohorts where the Liberals and the NDP uh, have done well. Again, none of this means he can't come back. And as Jamie rightly points out, I don't think anybody's taking it for granted. But if you're the Liberals and this pattern doesn't break in the next four to five months, the prime minister himself and the party is really going to have to think about where they go from here in terms of who leads them into the next election. Okay, we have a couple of minutes left, and I can appreciate that two of our three panelists are based in the capital. So let's talk, let's continue talking about this, if you don't mind, because I'm, I'm thinking about how, um, you know, you, you don't really have to be throwing those bones. And it looks like, you know, to Faye's point, hoping that the liberals catch on to what's happening here. Jamie, do you think that this prime minister is is resting on that, on the LGBTQI plus issues, on the diversity issues, and just hoping that people feel more liberal than conservative? If he is, I think, frankly, that'd be a foolish mistake because yeah. if, if, if there's so much economic uncertainty and actual hurt across the country. And if he's just going to go full on culture warrior, uh, I think that's going to blow up in his face. It'll probably lead to higher NDP numbers and higher conservative numbers. And it'll send the liberals back to the third place party in parliament, which is where they were before they formed government. And I think one of the things people often forget is, yes, he had that massive majority in 2015 when they got elected, but he's like barely held on to now to two consecutive minority governments. And he has a real problem of getting beyond just the next three days of the comm cycle and actually running government and executing and solving problems. And if you think that 
perhaps Justin Trudeau taking that proverbial walk in the snow like his father did and opening up a leadership race. One, you can make the argument maybe it's going to be changed for liberals and they can make the change narrative themselves. The other is it's going to create a civil war and even more division within the Liberal Party and further tell voters that they're indeed past their prime. So uh, the liberals are walking a tightrope right now. And I think the actual way for them out of this is to be incredibly boring and just focus on actually competent governance and getting the work done beyond 72 days or 72 hours of Instagram posts and show they've got something left in the tank. That's how I get my seven-year-old to behave at the table. I'd say, just be really boring. This is a really boring dinner. Uh, but Faye, you know, the, the NDP, it doesn't look like they're going to get the pharmacare promise that they were looking for in the draft. Um, so do you see the NDP putting more weight on what the liberals could achieve? Or, or getting their attention to what they're lagging on? Uh, I wish I had more optimism for the, the tried and true role of the NDP pushing for better and dreaming of better on social issues and on health care. Um, but I, I'm just waiting. I, again, I think I, I would love to see some passion from Jagmeet uh, and some fire. And I, I just don't feel that. And I think that is... Uh, the, the, what Canadians are wanting right now, and that's what Pierre Polyev is tapping right into. Um, but I, I, I don't see it happening here. Um, and, you know, I, I would agree, you know, Canadians are struggling by too many metrics, and so much of that is on cost of living, on housing. Um, my, my worry on the Liberal side is I think they are expecting that folks will be turned off by Pierre Polyev if they can paint him as angry and divisive. Um, on the flip side, I think they, they need to get their own economic message and their policies in order. Um, but I also think they still need to do the full-throated defense of social progress, uh, because I've been worried that, you know, Pierre Polyev is, I would argue, um, you know, taking advantage of anger. And he's willing to throw those bones because it gets folks out to those rallies. Um, but it's really dangerous politics is, is what I, I just... Like, we need to have a conversation about trans kids, sure, but I want it to be one that doesn't forget that they are people. Uh, and I worry that the rhetoric we're seeing is just throwing us aside. And, like, I'm, I'm just genuinely scared about that. Like, at the end of the day, that's, that's what's keeping me up at night. I hear you. There is nothing radical about any of us. We're all very boring. And I really appreciate you all weighing in on our discussions today. Thank you kindly. Faye Johnstone is a co-owner and executive director of consulting firm Wisdom to Action. Tim Powers, chairman of Sima Strategies, managing director of Abacus Data. And Jamie Ellerton, founding partner at Canaptis, longtime political strategist, joining us here on The Rush on our Smart Speaker series. If you like what you hear, you can always share it in podcast form. Just search The Rush with Rashmi Nair wherever you get your favorite podcasts.